Hello, this is Dennis Klein, and I'm up next on On Screen and Beyond. Oh, I should say, instead of hello, I should say, hey now. Anyway, I'm on next. Bye-bye. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. We are back for another edition of On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 479 of the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with the guests from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, Dennis Klein is going to be joining us, and he created, wrote, directed many TV shows including the Larry Sanders show, Cosby, Love American Style. He wrote for all kinds of shows. It's going to be an interesting show, so get ready for that. Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman he was in on, and it just goes on and on. So get ready for that. It's going to be a great show. And uh, this is actually part one of our interview with Dennis Klein, and we'll be having more. But uh, we got a lot of things going on this week. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak. It is time to get ready. It's time for Remake Madness. On On Screen and Beyond. Remake Madness. It looks like Sony is working on a remake of the story of Milan themselves, which will be different from uh, the other ones that are being made. And Disney has found their lead actress for their version of Mulan. It will star Chinese actress Crystal Liu. And uh, Disney's version arrives on 2019. And the story of Scooby-Doo gets a twist without Scooby as Daphne and Velma are in the works. And it brings us a little story about the girls of the Mystery, Inc. before Fred, Shaggy, and Scooby came on board. Look for that in 2018. And that's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies, September 28, 2018, Warner Brothers will release Smallfoot. It's an animated adventure about a yeti, and voice talent includes Channing Tatum, Danny DeVito, LeBron James, and James Corden. And look for March 16th to bring us Love, Simon, as it's bringing a coming-of-age story to theaters. And uh, John Travolta, Michael Madsen, right here, a guest formerly on, on Screen and Beyond, Shania Twain, and Barry Corbin will star together in Trading Paint as a father and son race car drivers overcome family conflicts. Look for that June of 2018. That's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, taking you down to Sequel City to find out what's coming your way as far as sequels. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Sequel City, as far as sequels, it looks like World War Z 2 comes... Uh, our way, it's still in the works, and director David Fincher says 
they are trying to get it done. Looks like they are trying to get it, uh, you know, the story just right. So we'll see what happens with that. And whether it's a tease or wishful thinking on the part of Russell Crowe, who knows? He is hinting to the making of Master and Commander 2, but no word yet. And Toy Story 4, it has a release date of June 21st, 2019. That's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, TV on DVD. TV on DVD Vice Principals Season 2 comes to digital download on December 11th. And Major Crimes, the sixth and final season, will be hitting stores on March 13th in the three-disc set. And also on that same date, you can get Major Crimes, the complete series. And February 6th, you can get Rugrats, Season 3 and 4 on DVD in stores. That's it for TV on DVD. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD? Movies on DVD, Acts of Violence with Bruce Willis and Sean Ashmore and Sophia Bush lands on DVD on January 12th. Only the Brave will arrive on Blu-ray and DVD on February 6th. And LBJ with Woody Harrelson will be driving on to Blu-ray and DVD on February. And that's from director Rob Reiner. That's it for Movies on DVD. Next on On Screen and Beyond, TV and Entertainment Time. TV and Entertainment Time, well, a movie poster from the original 1931 Dracula film starring Bela Lugosi has sold for $525,800. Wow. And Netflix has renewed Mindhunter for a second season. And sadly, actor Jim Neighbors, Gomer Pyle, is what we remember him for, has passed at the age of 87. That's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Next on On Screen and Beyond, it's Celebrity Birthdays. We baked you a birthday cake. If you get it to me, eh? And you moan and groan and woe. Don't forget we told you so. Happy birthday! Happy birthday! <laughs> Celebrity Birthdays, December 4th, Tyra Banks uh, turns 44. Jeff Bridges turns 68. December 5th, Frankie Muniz turns 32. And on December 8th, Terry Hatcher turns 53. And on December 9th, Donnie Osmond turns 60. As far as listener birthdays, let's see. Will Kay of Anchorage, Alaska turns 58 on December 9th. And Grace S. of Cancun, Mexico turns 43 on December 10th. That's it for listener birthdays and celebrity birthdays. If you, a friend, or a relative are going to be having a birthday, send the information to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. We'll all wish you a very happy birthday. And everybody around the world listening to On Screen and Beyond will wish you a happy birthday, too. That's it. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, Dennis Klein is going to be joining us. It's part one of our interview with him. He uh, created and wrote so many TV shows and uh, he was uh, writing for Love American Style, The Larry Sanders Show, Mary Hartman and Mary Hartman, Cosby, and it just goes on and on. He's got a great lineup of shows that he's done, created, and just so many things to talk about. Dennis Klein, next, right here on On Screen and Beyond.
Today on On Screen and Beyond, our guest is a writer, producer, and director who has been nominated in the past for three Emmys for his work on The Larry Sanders Show and Buffalo Bill. He has written for Family Dog, Cosby, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, and so many other TV shows. It's Dennis Klein. Dennis, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thank you. Dennis, it's so exciting to have you on the show. I look at your credits, and you have written some some of these amazing shows and so many of the shows i mean we're talking some shows you did like cosby you were you know almost 100 episodes of that and and larry sanders show there again another 98 or whatever <laughs> amount of shows and it, it's that amount of work is just incredible well thank you thank you some of the people I've worked with are still alive, and and uh, many of them have never molested uh, women by drugging them. So uh, <laughs> I'm be proud of that. I think that's a that's a good record. Um, but I didn't work on. I, I just I want to correct something. Speaking of the record, I just want to correct something. I, I I tend to only work on the beginnings of shows until the show is set. I see. A certain theory. You, go ahead. I interrupted you. What? No, no. I I see. I, I'm just agreeing. With you, so uh, I, I, um, I I have this thought. Feel free to disagree, uh, um, and that is, when somebody's creating a sh- uh, a series, then um, as I did with Cosby, the one on CBS, I didn't I didn't have anything to do with the one on NBC. They asked me actually to create and run that, but I at that time I was I, I can't remember why I didn't want to live in New York, uh, but I did when when I did the CBS one anyway. Anyway, um, when somebody uh, creates a show, that job means that they have to do whatever they consider unique and wonderful and unlike anything else that's ever been before, if, if they can. That, that would be fantastic. And uh, when once the show has actually set itself, which is not necessarily the pilot, pilot script, or episodes, uh, you know, one and two or three. Sometimes it can be like six episodes in, then uh, um, or a year or half a year. Then at that point, um, what you want, you don't want that guy around. You want to kick him out and never hear from him again, have him never hear from you again, because you don't want it to be unique after that or, or different or, or have the show change. You want to stamp it out. Stamp, not stamp it out. That sounds wrong. But you want to stamp episodes out. Oh boy, I can't think of the right way to say it. Maybe you can. But you want to be producing episodes that are exactly like one another, so that mm-hmm. when it goes into syndication, there's no change in it from episode to episode, or year for year, mm-hmm. year to year, or season to season. So this guy, this this creative guy, who wants to make things different all the time is the last person in the world you want to you want to have and, and what you want are people and I don't disparage them people who uh, can do the job of, of really that's really kind of an interesting job of of coming up with episodes week after week after week that are that are um, the same as before only different uh, a little bit different mm-hmm. and so anyway so therefore, I, I don't think I can't even I don't even think I've been on for the full run of any series. Really? Uh, yeah. Ever, yeah, I don't think I ever worked on a series longer than a year, a year and a half. 
at the most. And that I don't think I know I haven't. Yeah. Now, is <laughs> you were a showrunner on some shows. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Some shows I wrote episodes for. Some shows I was the showrunner. On, on Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, for example, where, which I worked on for a year and a half, they, they didn't have the title. It was back in the old days when producers, when they were producers of shows and not the writer became the producer and therefore they made, they made him, the, they called him the showrunner. Uh, so that wasn't the title, but I, I, I was, I, I think, I don't even think people working on it who thought, maybe thought they were the showrunner. <laughs> I would do that. But maybe they would. People, you know, fight over credit. Right. But uh, I, I ran the show, but I was my title was head writer and occasional director. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, but, but to answer your question, yeah, but some shows I just did an episode or a couple of episodes of or whatever. Now, and, and you created... Uh, when I, I'm sorry, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm interrupting. I think when I say I did episodes, I meant that I directed episodes... Like I directed a bunch of episodes of uh, Laverne and Shirley, right. and uh, um, but I never wrote for Laverne and Shirley. Uh, so, so I did it maybe as a writer, or I did it as a director, or or as a punch up writer. I was a punch up writer on a series called Grace Under Fire, and that's all I was did. did. I, I I never directed any. I never wrote. So I do all these different different kinds of jobs. So, Dennis, can you can you explain whatever? Can you explain what, for our listening audience, what a punch-up writer is? Ah, punch-up writer takes takes a show and makes it funnier. He punches it up. Okay. Uh, and uh, and so uh, sometimes you want a guy like that, especially. It, it, it's really a, an interesting, I mean, it's always an interesting job. You want to punch up a movie, a movie isn't funny enough. Or you want to punch up a television show. So let's say the television show, the script hits the table on Monday and it's shot on Friday. You want a guy to come in, maybe, sometimes not, uh, come in on Wednesday, especially a multi-camera show, which relies more on jokes than a, than a one-camera show. Uh, so you want a guy to come in on Wednesday and look at the show and re-jigger it. I apologize to African-American uh, listeners. Uh, and... and uh, and make it uh, straighten it out. Some some things are uh, haywire, and some things need to be made more funny, or they need to be less funny because it's like a plot point, and everybody's laughing and they're missing the point. So uh, whenever I did that job, not whenever, but a lot of times when I did that job, people, the producer would say, "Would you read the script?" And I uh, and they thought they probably thought I was being difficult, but I said, "You really, I don't want to read the script." I can if you want me to, but you don't want me to read the script. You want me to come in on Wednesday knowing nothing about the show and see a run-through and and give my reaction to what essentially is going to be the show on film on Friday, and, and that's how I straighten things out. If I read the script, I'm you're losing my my the benefit of having me look at this thing uh, through fresh eyes. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's story of my life with yeah. regard to punch-up. Now, Dennis, do you remember what your first TV show or movie, whichever was first, that you wrote on that people might know? I mean, not not uh, an, you know, an independent one that nobody would know, but I mean a, a show that uh, was on TV or, or at the movies. Mm-hmm. So, not a movie called uh, Chatterbox, which was a uh, semi-porno film about 
about a, a female whose uh, vagina began, oh, I can say, uh, uh, began to talk. Uh, 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 that one, uh, you, uh, that's, that's not the one you want to hear about. Uh, uh, so, but anyway, um, and the audience, if they want, anybody wants to hear about any of this stuff that isn't talked about, my phone number is... Feel free to call me and ask me any questions you want. <laughs> but just don't record me unless you're telling me. But don't record me, even if you are telling me. Because uh, 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 that's a whole other thing uh, that I hate. I hate being recorded even now. So, uh, uh, And I hate Brian for, for putting me through. <laughs> and you didn't know that, Brian. I thought I liked you. Uh, uh, I don't know him that very well, but uh, there you go. There you go. You find out things. Uh, wait, the first show that I worked on... Let me think about this. Hard to remember. Uh, well, I, I was writing jokes for a comedian named Pat Buttram. Yes, okay, yeah. In, and he was on a regular on a series called Green Acres. Mm-hmm. And so, but but that was just, no, no, that's that's just jokes. Uh, uh, actually did, wrote an episode. Yes, yes, yes. The first episode I wrote well I, uh, well, I wrote for Love American Style, and they did, that was a series that had like an odd, it was very odd, it was on for half an hour when it went on the air, and then eventually it became more successful, or I, I'm not sure why they did this, but they made it an hour show, and they would do eight minute segment, an eight minute story, and they or they would do a 12 minute story, or sometimes they do a 22 minute story that, that occupied the whole uh, um, the whole half hour or when it was an hour, they, they wouldn't do longer than 20, 22 or 24 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so I did, I did a, an eight minute episode and then I did a bunch more and, and, and they, they liked me. And the episode that I did was called, and all their episodes were called love and whatever. Right. Uh, and they'd add the thing. And, and this was love and the cake about, about a guy who's getting married. I shouldn't get too deep in the weeds here. But but I think people know. Am I right? People know Love America. Oh, of course, of course. It was a great show. All right. Uh, so so uh, I just don't want to be you know leaving listeners in the dust here. So um, this is about a guy who uh, whose girlfriend was was doing things pornog- pornographically uh, mm-hmm. that he didn't like. This is because a girl I was going out with, I, I looked at a porno magazine, and there were pictures of her doing things that she didn't do with me. And and, uh, and I and the whole thing was very disconcerting. I was 22, and it was horrible for me. And and uh, I, I should have been happy, but I guess I wasn't a typical male. <laughs> anyway, so so uh, uh, I thought of telling her mother, but I thought that's not my place, because I, I knew her mother. I liked her mother. Uh, uh, anyway, so, so, um, uh, I'm mean, not in that way. The mother was fat and slovenly. Uh, 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 but anyway, uh, but I liked her as a person. And so anyway, so I thought, so I had this guy who, who felt like he was marrying, he, no, not married, girlfriend, uh, was doing things behind his back that, that were sexual. And he was bothered by that very straight laced guy. So the whole eight minutes, usually the eight minute was, was thing was all in one set because if you can't write a fucking eight minute scene, then who are you? 
uh, uh, an eight-minute story. I mean, in one set, you have to go to other sets. Oh, there's the bus station, and there's the the, the raccoon lodge, and all this stuff that I think is trashy, you know, trashy writing. Not mm -hmm. trashy writing, bad writing, stupid writing, untalented writing. Uh, uh, um, anyway, so uh, although writers get forced into it, and, and it's not the writer's fault, it's the producer uh, or, or somebody. Anyway, so... Um, so he came and he uh, into a um, a cake a, a bakery. I don't want to remember specifically. He came into not a yeah not a bakery. The back room of a convention hall where there's a convention of guys and there's a baker putting the finishing touches on a cake, a very large cake. And he comes in and he says, uh, "Where is she?" And uh, I don't know who, what you're talking about, the baker says. And uh, eventually the cake pops open and we see that it's the, the girl is in the cake, uh, uh, almost naked, you know, as naked as they allowed it on network television. Right. <laughs> or even now, actually. I don't, think those stand, I don't think those standards have changed. I think there's still, you don't show this and you don't show that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I don't think that's changed in 50 years. Anyway, so uh, that, that's interesting. I wonder why. Anyway, so, so uh, uh, and profanity too, well, profanity has changed. But anyway, so uh, that was it, and then he gets into a fight with the baker, and uh, they, whatever, the, the girlfriend, the boyfriend, I think they break up. I don't know. It, it, I don't remember the story, but I just, I, uh, and how it began, and it was in the middle of it, and, but that's the answer to your question. That's a lengthy answer to your question. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I always loved the Love American style, but uh, you also wrote for some what what I consider classic seventies uh, TV, uh, like the Brady Bunch and the Partridge Family, right? That's right. That's right. Uh, let me go back. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something about the Partridge Family, but let me just go back one beat to Love and the Cake. Uh, um, Love and the Cake was supposed to star. Uh, Julie Newmar, Bob Denver as the guy. You remember Julie Newmar? She was Catwoman. Oh, yeah, she's been a guest on the show. show. Oh, she's been a guest on your show? Yes, oh, yes. Great, great. And uh, I liked her. She's a very nice, very nice oh, yeah. woman. And um, uh, dangerously thin. She, I think she must have had some kind of thing, problem there. She was really, really good, got herself very thin, but actresses some kind, sometimes do that and mm. people call those actresses you never hear this term they call actresses like agents and producers lollipops mm. because because they made their body so thin and their head their head they never lose weight so they've got this normal sized head and this very skinny body and uh, you know they're, they're for lo lollipops anyway wow. Sterling Hayden was no, 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 sorry, not Sterling Hayden. Forrest Tucker was the baker. Yes. And something happened, and I don't remember what it was, and I don't want to spread rumors about Forrest Tucker, but he couldn't do it, or he showed up, and it wasn't working. I don't remember exactly what happened. I just don't. And, uh, um, and so quickly they rushed in. One of the guys that uh, was in the players was in the interstitial stuff in Love America style, Who's the brother of the, one of the producers? A great guy, uh, Arnold Margolin, and his brother Stuart Margolin, who played Angel as a regular in the series Rockford Files, 
he came in, he played it. He was the baker. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was very, you know, an improv actor and a great actor. He is still, I think, he's still alive. I hope he is. Great guy. And uh, he did a terrific job. Everybody did. Bob Denver was terrific. And uh, and it was, I, you know, a very fortunate thing for me uh, to, to do that. That, that particular episode and, and really a lot of the stuff that followed uh, 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 on Love America Style and, and all the stuff I did uh, was was really exciting and interesting because, and this gets us, this is the bridge that takes us to the Partridge family, unless you want to tell me, I don't want to hear about the Partridge family. Oh, no, I do. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Here, 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 thank you. Here's the bridge to it, and that is when I first started working, I noticed that they were writers from the golden age of television, the greatest shows ever. Amos and Andy, uh, the Jack Benny show, Bilko, uh, your show of shows. I mean, these were hilarious and still are there. There, there's no show that, that has been on since Amos and Andy. That's as funny as Amos and Andy and, and the rest of the stuff that I said. And, uh, uh, and these are the writers on those shows and they, you know, I mean, they were magical. The writers and the writing was magical. Even when it was lousy, the actors made it work. And they and the, and they had these magical shows that they were on, these writers. And then when they went off the air, for some reason, I'm not going to disparage them, but for whatever reason, and there wasn't, there weren't great shows now coming on the air uh, to compare with those. I mean, even if you like, you know, uh, Brady Bunch and Love America Style and uh, uh, Partridge Family. Uh, or whatever, or you can call, say All in the Family or Dick Van Dyke, whatever is your your god of, mm-hmm. uh, of a great show. They are not, in my opinion, and please call me and tell me I'm an asshole. And uh, <laughs> they were not, not nearly as funny as those shows. That was not just the golden age of television. And I watch those shows sometimes, not not often, and they are hilarious. And and these other shows, you know, you laugh and it's cute and it's very funny. I like I love the Dick Van Dyke show. But uh, it, it's not it's not Bilko and it's not Amos and Andy, uh, so um, so I noticed that they didn't want to write. They were dispirited, they were bored, they were uh, a little bit embittered. Some of them, and whenever a scene had to be written, they said, uh, you know, give it to Dennis. He likes to write, which was true. And I would go and I'd write because I love these shows because I I was so happy to be working. And I also, um, but beyond happy to be working, I, I, you know, enjoyed working on them. I just enjoyed working on them. Maybe my standards, I, I wouldn't today probably, but, but at 19, 20, 21 years old, these were, these weren't, seemed funny to me. They seemed good. Right. And, uh, and they weren't to those writers. So it hit me. Cause I tried to figure out that they were in their thirties and they were done for creatively. And, and a lot of them were never heard from again. And I thought, I said, what is what is the problem here? Because I want to be writing into my 80s and 90s and beyond, on screen and beyond, <laughs> if I may. And so uh, uh, I thought the problem, it seemed to me, and it was just a guess, but it turned out to be right. A lot of my guesses have been spectacularly wrong and have completely fucked up my life. But this one was right. And that was uh, uh, that's that's something that a character said in, in this great movie, The Account with Ben Affleck, mm-hmm. where, yeah. it, where it talks about being a dad. Because he said, "I screwed up a lot of things." This is like a movie I, uh, by uh, this wonderful actor whose name gave for the moment, uh, and, and he said, uh, "But but that I didn't screw up." There's a gun to his head when he says that, and it is the truth. 
and uh, anyway, so so that thing that thing was important to me, and I didn't screw that up. Which was that I, from then on, I only worked. Once I saw that, I only worked on things that were exciting to me. Whether I wrote, produced, direct, or even directed, or even punched up, I just made sure they were funny and exciting to me, or at least my part of it. In other words, I could take a boring movie uh, that I didn't like, and and then I, if they wanted me to punch it up or rewrite it. I would say, well, how about this and how about that? And if they liked it, then I was doing work that I loved because I was making it that much uh, funnier. Uh, Beverly Hills Cup 2, which is not my favorite movie, but I, I punched it up and I'm very happy with all the stuff that I, that, that I did in it. But the movie itself, you know, in some ways I could take or leave, although I loved the first Beverly Hills Cup. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, so, uh, so that is the bridge, a lengthy bridge, to the Partridge family, my manager calls me up because I had an agent. I didn't think I had an agent. I had a, I had a manager. Just, and he said, they just called me from the Partridge family and they want you to write an episode. And I said, are you kidding? Do they Have they made a mistake? Do they have the wrong guy? Because I didn't know anybody on Partridge family. I didn't know how they knew me. And so I said, they, have they made a mistake of some kind? He said, and my manager said, uh, yeah, that's what I asked them. I said, oh, no, you numbskull. You don't for me to ask you. Don't ask them. And so uh, so I said, yes, because this is like, I might have been top 20, but I think it was top 10, a top 10 show. And I'd never seen it, but I had the sense that it was funny, and everybody said it was funny. Oh, Partridge Family, Partridge Family, Partridge Family. And it had great ratings and, you know, big the, 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 the stars were, were stars, were TV stars at that time, at the time that they did it. And it was very exciting. And it was, anyway, uh, I don't want to get redundant. Really exciting. So I absolutely said yes. And I figured it wouldn't even violate my don't do anything you're not excited about because how could I not enjoy the Partridge family and writing for the Partridge family? Mm-hmm. Well, I could. Because when I started looking at it, I didn't find it funny in the slightest. I found it hokey and sentimental and dopey and not at all interesting to me. And I I just couldn't find anything about it that was funny. And I, I thought they were funny characters and the little boy was kind of funny, but in a kind of a, you know, magpie kind of way. Mm-hmm. It interests me, you know, oh, funny little boy who says these big things. Didn't it didn't do it for me? It was felt hokey and old fashioned, and so I was stuck because I had already I hadn't spent the money, but I had earmarked the spending of the money to uh, have my living expenses and all that. And also, I didn't want to. I would have alienated everybody if I backed out of the show, and 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 it was I was getting top of the show for some reason. My people had or had. Uh, whatever, negotiated for that, and I was getting $3,500, which even now, is, that's a lot of money, and then it was like a spectacularly large amount of money. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. uh, 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 and uh, so I thought, well, God damn it, there must be a way that I can do this. You know, like, there must be a way, not not a way internally, that I can write something that I hate and make it work for me, because that's what those, those other writers were doing that I think that screwed them up. Uh, um, and and it's just fooling yourself. And I, I believe in fooling other people if it'll get you somewhere. You know, I'll, uh, if you have a box full of cash and you turn your back, I, I might. And I'm telling you this, Brian, so you know, I, I might grab as much cash as I could, stuff it in my pocket, <laughs> but 
uh, but I won't lie to myself and say, well, I think that cash belonged to me. Uh, I know I'm stealing, but I, if, I, if I'm smart about it, I won't get caught. Now, I, I probably won't do this, mainly because I'm a dad now, and it's not nice. Winds <laughs> you up in jail, and then your, your child, you know, their, their dad is a jailbird. And I know people who are like that. It's really not. fucks them up. Uh, uh, so, uh, and, but maybe that is the only reason I wouldn't steal your cash. Brian. But uh, uh, anyway, so my, I thought I must be smart enough to, to, or make myself smart enough to figure out a way to write a Partridge Family episode that, that will thrill me. Not just be okay, but will thrill me. And I, so I wrote an episode where the Partridge Family basically sells out and does something that, that makes them sick to their stomach, that they said yes to this thing. Which, you know, uh, and that's, I tend to write from my own experience, so I was just writing what I did. Mm-hmm. And it made them miserable, and uh, and then they had to perform, they had to wear chicken outfits and, uh, and perform a commercial as chickens. And Keith especially was, you know, heart sick about this. I remember and, that episode. <laughs> oh, do you? Yes, I do. And, for a, there's a longer story attached, but I, but uh, my name actually isn't on it. It should be on it, and they they I won a lawsuit about that with the Writers Guild, and then they didn't change any of the episodes. I got it when I have time. I got it, and I haven't had time for about 45 years. But I got to call the Writers Guild every time I call them and tell them to get into it. They they put an attorney on it, and that attorney leaves or is fired or just forgets about it. Oh yeah, did I haven't I done that already? No, you haven't, hmm. and uh, I'm going to call you every you know 30 years to remind you, or whatever the fuck. <laughs> anyway, so uh, um, so I came up with that, and like I said, there is a story attached to why the producers, who were new producers, thought that that didn't think that that was my episode because they found the script. Um, they didn't shoot the script initially, and then when the new producers came, they made that a script that they shot. Uh, it's a, like I say, a long story. Not that interesting, really. Uh, but, you, but people who are listening, you can call me and I'll tell you the whole fucking story. As much as I know, I don't even know probably half of it, but I'll tell you what I know. And uh, so anyway, so I um, I uh, wrote this thing and I was really excited by it and happy with it. And then they shelved the episode. I was not happy with that. And then, you know, and then they, but they finally made it. And then, and here's the end of the story. So that's, that's just, that story just seems to peter out. But there is an ending to the story. I'm driving along, and I'm listening to Howard Stern. He was terrestrial at that point, because I, I can't figure out how to get the non-terrestrial Howard mm-hmm. Stern. I, I, I love the Howard Stern show. And uh, he had as his guest, uh, David Cassidy. This is not too many years ago. Pretty, you know, like maybe 10 years ago, 8 years ago, whatever. When I say not too many, I mean you know, not half a century. Right. And so, uh, 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 he has the guy on and he's talking to him and he, and he says, he says, now, you must have hated being on that show, being Keith Partridge. That, that, that doesn't seem like it's your taste. And, and David Cassidy said, no, no, I love being on the show. He said, I enjoyed it. I had a good time. I, I, lines in that I liked and I, I enjoyed the people I worked with. The whole experience was great. Really? And it went like, uh, and he said the number of seasons, I don't know how many seasons, but let's say seven or eight seasons. 
so you, you loved it, you know, for all the, the time it was in production? And he said, uh, no, no. I loved it up until season four, or whatever the season was, he said. And he said, and then I hated it. And Howard Stern said, what happened in season four? Well, they made me do this show in which I had to put on a chicken <laughs> thing, and it was and it was horrible, and it was a dark show, and it was a dark experience doing it, and it soured me on the entire series. And then it was doing the series after that. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Drove over off the road. That's right. I was I was you know, driving from Santa Barbara, where I lived, to L.A., where I was working with Gary Shanley doing the. It's Vlad, not it. No, that was another show. It's the, it's the Gary Shandler, the Larry Sanders show, and uh, uh, boy, and I was right driving right by the ocean, and I, and I, I, I didn't almost drive off the road, but it felt like that because I was like, I went through the roof with excitement, and also I felt bad. I really did. I authentically felt bad that I had fucked up this guy who seemed like a very nice guy. Uh, nobody, he never drugged and raped anybody, as far as I know. He's just, Thank a lot. So that's nice. That's our new definition of a nice guy. If a person doesn't make you massage his penis, that's a really good guy, and you can marry him. So the standard, uh, this thing is going to backfire and hurt women. All this thing with a, with a sexual stuff because victim, victim, victim. I, I don't know what to do about it, but it's just it's just kind of sad that it plays into the stereotype of women, and the women are right, you know, to speak up. I'm not against any of it. It's just it's just unfortunate in beyond obviously beyond unfortunate in any way. Mm. Anyway, getting back to that that's the end of the part of the family story. Yeah. <laughs> so remember not to ask me any questions, Brian. Yeah. That's moral. No last ten minutes, twenty minutes. Go ahead. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now you uh, you mentioned uh, working on the Larry Sanders show and creating it. Uh, so how did you and Gary come up with the show? I mean, were you sitting around just talking one day, or, or you know, how did you come up with that idea? Well, you uh, this might be boring. You'll have to stop me if this this is really uh, the answer is is very kind of nuts and bolts uh, and and not very interesting. There's a guy named Michael Fuchs who ran HBO, uh, and and he, Michael Fuchs had this idea that that you could do series. They had tried series and cable, but nothing had ever really clicked. And they, and he thought you could do a successful series in cable. There was no reason why you couldn't do that. Why a successful series only ran on broadcast television, ABC, NBC, CBS. And so, and I think there was, yeah, there was Fox at that time. And uh, so, so he had access to Gary Shandling because the, the, the highest rated comedy concert series on, and they had ratings, even though it was the cable, the cable, they had their own little way of knowing things, mm-hmm. who was watching, was George Carlin 
he was the most successful comedian. But George Carlin didn't want to do series. I know I met with his people and I tried to create a series for him, but he didn't want to be a series star. Probably right, maybe rightly so. I don't know about probably because he wasn't much of an actor. Uh, Sammy, a major, major comedian. Uh, 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 so funny. And, and Miss now, we have George Carlin now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're not actually, I, I'd love to hear him on all these subjects. Oh, and he'd be so funny and so righteous and right. That would be great. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a tremendous one. Anyway, so the second most highest rated comedian was Gary Shandling, who had already been done, done a series for Showtime that got praise and stuff, but wasn't really successful in his. Uh, you know, wasn't a major show, but that was actually probably the closest thing to a hit TV series up to that time. Uh, and uh, and he decided that if I, because I can get to Gary Shandling, and because I and I've worked with him, and I know I can work with him or whatever, uh, uh, that that the TV series that that would be on HBO, what would it would have to be different from the kinds of shows they did on broadcast television. I'm already getting too lengthy. Am I getting too lengthy with this? No, I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Go ahead. Okay. All right, all right. You almost said I'm having a good time. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so I heard the first three letters of, of have. Uh, uh, anyway, so uh, Gary uh, did concerts, in-person concerts. He also did The Tonight Show uh, as a guest host. Right. And he also... Uh, had worked on half-hour series. So Michael Fuchs decided if there's a way to do a show that looked different and was different from the shows on broadcast television, then uh, people would, you know, would not say, well, HBO is doing a series, but, you know, I could have this for free on television. Why do I pay money? Or even if they don't say for free, they would just kind of disparage it. Mm -hmm. So that was his idea. So he said to Gary Shandling, he said, I will give you 13 episodes, a commitment of 13 episodes. Because Gary had eyes for doing network, so, so Michael Fuchs had to give him something. So he guaranteed him 13 episodes. He said, I want you to do a series that is a combination of hosting a talk show and a situation comedy. Somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you do it, but there should be a way to do it. And and you do that, and Gary said, absolutely. And he had no idea how to do that. And he wasn't a, a writer. Uh, so so he uh, uh, called me. There's a story about how he called me and said, uh, I've got this offer, and I'm interested in doing the show, and I want it to be in your voice, which always appealed to me. And I'd been talking to Paul Reiser, who wanted it to be in our voice if I did uh, the show that he did, uh, 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 Love, uh, I, something with uh, Janet Lee's daughter. Um, no, no, not Janet Lee's daughter. No, uh, with, uh, that was the show, the uh, series, uh, uh, with uh, Ellen Hunt. Oh, uh, um, Mad About You, Mad yeah. About you. <laughs> And by the way, that's a punchline of a joke, which is which is uh, uh, over the loudspeaker. And probably all your listeners have heard this, but I heard it when I was really little. Uh, uh, there's a uh, we found a wallet with a lot of cash in it, uh, and 
and so and and there's a name to it. Uh, 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 so Helen Hunt is the name just before she was even was even born, but not that. And so, uh, if you want if you want the wallet with a lot of money, go to Helen Hunt for it. That's right. <laughs> it's with no, it doesn't belong to Helen Hunt. Helen Hunt is the person that you would that go to as the wallet. Yeah, that's lost wallet with money passes. Go to Helen Hunt for it. <laughs> anyway, so mad about you, but but Paul Reiser wanted him and me to run it together, and uh, he wanted to have a big say in it because he said that he was really skunked on the series he did before that with my two dads, and he was told he'd have a voice in it, and he didn't have a or not a hand voice, a hand in it. And so he wanted to make sure he had a hand in this. And I said, you know, that's not that interesting to me because I want to, when I run a show, I am in charge of it. And that means take, especially means taking care of the star. So the guys fucked you over on, uh, on my two dads. And I'm not, I, I understand why, why you'd want me to pay for that pain, but I'm, I'm not going to because it bites me unfairly. And I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong if you if you do a show where you're you're in charge of it with somebody. I think best for you to just kind of be an actor and not have to worry about behind the scenes stuff. I think it's best for everybody uh, when that happens. Anyway, so but I was I was still I had just gotten married and I was really and I liked Paul Reiser a lot and our thinking in comedy was was in line with each other. But uh, anyway, this one. This thing uh, at HBO was interesting to me, but I said no to it because I thought about it. And I thought you cannot combine a talk show with with a situation comedy. It is impossible. And I told Gary, I said, you know, I, I just think Michael Fuchs is asking for an impossible thing. It is impossible. The two don't go together. It's two different styles of comedy, and whatever, and breaking the fourth wall, you know, all these fucking things that I believed in. I mean, not just from books. I, I, I believe that you can't combine those two. You either do a talk show or you do a situation comedy, but not a comedy of both, even though I had just done that with uh, Buffalo Bill and Dabney Coleman, but that was a, an entirely different story mm-hmm. uh, that I won't go into now. And so, uh, so I said no. And then, and then a couple of days later, I realized I was spending a lot of my time thinking about how you find uh, a, a talk show with a, uh, with a situation comedy. And that it was, but I was excited by trying to do something that was seemingly impossible. And so I called Gary and I said, uh, you don't have anybody else to do it. I, I made a mistake in turning the drum and uh, I, I'd like to do it. And uh, and that was it. That was it. And then uh, a longer story attached to that about how it, you know, how it became Larry Sanders' show uh no, uh, and I'm happy to tell you any of that if you want. But basically, that's where it came from. Michael Fuchs's idea, and Gary had done the Tonight Show, so he wanted the three guys to be like the Tonight Show guys, except he wanted the host to be a little bit more like David Letterman. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and uh, that was it. Wow. Any more questions about that? I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm arbitrarily cutting it off there because I, I hate myself for going on, on, and on and on. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm hitting something. So maybe you're recording that. I'm hitting something. And so I'm 
trying to keep my answers short, and I'm failing spectacularly. <laughs> no, no, no. It's interesting. It's <laughs> it's very interesting. We don't get to see that type of thing, so it's you know we we get the behind the scenes. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, on screen and beyond. <laughs> on screen, not beyond. It's under. Beyond is beyond, but it's on screen and what's under the. <laughs> And that is the end of part one of our interview with Dennis Klein. Dennis will be back and he is going to be joining us for more information about the shows that he's worked on and some great stuff. So I hope you'll be joining us for that. And uh, also, I hope you're all going to have a very happy holidays, Merry Christmas and all that. And uh, it's going to be uh, New Year's coming up soon. It's just, just going by so fast. But uh, we'll keep coming your way right here on On Screen and Beyond. So if you have a suggestion for a guest, uh, just send it to me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. And also, if uh, you know you want to leave a review, it'll help more people hear about us on iTunes. So go ahead and do that. Uh, be a nice Christmas present for me. You can do that for me. And uh, that's it. That's a wrap for this week. So until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zimrak. Take care. Thank you.